Hey everyone, welcome to Friday. It's Meet Me for Coffee, and I got an amazing uh, artist here. Um, his name is J.D. Harvey or John Harvey. You Whatever might know you him. Call me. Yeah, you might know him <laughs> from a band that we pride up here in Canada, and the pride of Steel Town, Hamilton, um, Ontario. They make all steel. They have some good uh, good football out there as well. Um, not that a lot of us actually really care about CFL, but we should really pride about it. Um, <laughs> He's from a band called Monster Truck. Uh, they're great. Sweet Mountain River, one of their great songs uh, you've heard on the radio. They're amazing. They sound awesome. He's also here to talk about Jay Harvey and the Inner Demons, another awesome uh, project he's uh, taken on. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I got my coffee here. I got from uh, BC, actually, 49th Parallel. They got like a little... Oh, I like that place. Yeah, really, really cool mug, man. Really small, <laughs> like... Uh, I don't want to say I'm a man with big hands, but um, we were talking before. You got the Grateful Dead um, mug there. Uh, Steal your face. How do you take it? There it is. It's just been my coffee mug forever. I've taken it on tour. It just fits my coffee perfectly. It's it was such a stock mug, too. If I ever break it, I can just go buy a Beatles one or a Rolling Stone. Like, well, you know what I mean? It's yeah, this, yeah. this rock mug uh, is the perfect size. <laughs> is it black coffee you drink? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what all the rock stars drink, man. Black. Well, dairy. I, I don't know, man. When I was like twenty, I I was lactose intolerant, and I just stopped drinking it with milk, and now it's just the best. It's so good. I mean, there's there are there are places in the world that they will not let you mix anything with the coffee in the store or in the in the restaurant or the cafe. So, because you got you got to enjoy the taste of coffee, and that's that's the only way to actually taste how it actually is right you can't just dumb it down right right it's like these guys who put uh clamato in their beer you know what i'm talking about yeah you ever well, seen guys do that they're like I'm i got guilty. heartburn so i gotta put clamato in it now because i've been an alcoholic for 40 years it's like that's like putting cream in your coffee for me you know what <laughs> you know what man like it's actually kind of good but i don't really go for it all the time like rarely um up here in canada we've got so many different beers to try and uh, th there's a buddy of mine. His name is uh, Matt McGacky. He has a uh, Vox and Hops podcast. Um, he's a singer of Cryptopsy, actually. And um, he, he tries so many awesome beers. It just always blows me away how many uh, how many breweries are in Quebec. Because I think everyone he features is from Quebec. It's like, holy cow. Hundreds of them, man. There's ones you've never even, like, in the weirdest small town. is The whole town revolves around the brewery. Yeah, there's this one. I forget what it's called. It's in some small place in Quebec. It's like uh, True Diablo, something like that. It's like a it's a devil on the brand. And Molson like bought it and it made this company like this. But we played a show in their brewery. Is it Unibrew? No, it's not Unibrew, man. It's like where is it? It's owned by Molson Coors, I think now. Okay. They buy because they're buying up all the micros, right? As soon as you make a, over a certain amount or sell a certain amount of beers. Molson goes, hello, we'd like to take your brand and give you a bunch of money so you can retire the American dream. But like, uh, yeah, we played one of those things and it's, it was just like the whole town revolved around it. They had a bar downtown. The bar was completely packed. And it's in these like, small, sleepy Quebec towns that are just, they're really beautiful, but no one speaks English. And my French sucks because I was a loser in school. You know, I didn't think about it. Well, they, they, they never actually pushed us to, to learn French. If that was the case it would be a requirement every semester or every year for you to keep going with it up until like grade 12. Right. So yeah. 
it's not your fault, man. Don't. It is my fault. You know what? In hindsight, I should have learned like ten languages in high school. And I'm gonna tell my kid, listen, don't worry about math. Worry about learning German or Chinese or Mandarin or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, because that's way more valuable for me personally. If I had learned German or if I had been fluent in French, probably could. You know, it would it would definitely help me out a lot more. It helped you read the signs to get to the brewery that you want to go to. Quebec, that's for sure, man. Uh, Quebec's not so bad. The best part is the small town of it. Because if you just go to Montreal and you just go to Quebec City, you're not getting real Quebec, in my opinion. You have to go to those like uh those like those small Ontario towns, but they're French. They're exactly the same. And and there was this one, like this brewery, they have a bar and they have this cheese they make that's like a knot. Ever seen this? It's like stringy cheeses. I think it's Serbian. No, it's Armenian. Haha, <laughs> it's Armenian, super salty, and it looks like a big knot of cheese, and they string it off, and it looks like, wow. um, you know, it sounds crazy, man. It's like a giant cheese string. I'm telling you, you should look this up, even if, even <laughs> if what you take away from this is giant cheese knot, giant Armenian cheese knot, there you go. That's what you should, uh, but they make it, and they shred it all up, and you get this big bowl of shredded cheese. Quebec. Quebec, man. Way to go. <laughs> I don't cheer for their hockey teams, but I wish yeah. the one would come back, the Quebec Nordiques. Yeah, we'll see. But, but you know, I'm a, I'm a Leafs fan through and through. Like we have, uh, our, I'm 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 pretty excited for this year because I really feel like this is the year we're gonna win, but we're not gonna be able to have a parade. That's that's the problem. So um, there's a lot of uh, there's a few hurdles for Toronto to come over, get over. Um, we'll see how many guys stay healthy. The injuries have started, man. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, really, they're in great shape as far as teams go, which is nice because Toronto usually is the butt of a joke. It, it, it's it's so funny because like yeah, the injuries have started, and that's kind of like the narrative every year. It's like oh well, uh, Austin Matthews was you know he he hurt his wrist, and this guy he got broke a bone in his face, and that guy it's like okay, that's why we never won. No, it's not why we didn't win. It's because. It's um. But let, let's talk about Monster Truck, man. What's going on with the band? Um, you guys have one show I see booked in Donington, right? The download yeah. festival, or when you're up in the. How's that going to work for you? That they've been uh, briefing you guys. Or, it's not going to happen. No. As 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 honest as I can be, I don't think we're going to be playing any big shows for at least till the end of the year. You know, that's how it goes. It's it's just. Uh, until shows are allowed, we're not going to be playing anything. I mean, unless the UK is like, oh, we have concerts now, unless we fly to Australia, but who in their right mind be doing that? No. But in the UK, no, it, it, I don't think it's going to happen. And it, it, it's one of those weird things where it's like, it could. It's July or June, I think it is. But, you know, I would imagine we'd book a tour around it if it was actually going to happen. It's just one of those things where it's like, now we're in limbo. We just sit here. Like, the music industry got a really bad end of the stick in the old yeah. COVID thing. Um, not necessarily the performers and things like that. I mean, the crew's got it way worse because they were just out of jobs. I mean, at least we can go back to work, right? I mean, most of them can too, but I mean, a lot of bands are going to be getting less than money for guarantees and things like that. It's just, it's it's a crapshoot right now. So what we're trying to do just is get together and uh, do cover songs and do new material. And we just finished an acoustic thing that's coming out in a while. A while, I don't know when, but soon. Um, we're going to shoot the cover for that tomorrow, actually. And then, uh, yeah, you just kind of have to have material. So when it does come back, you're ready to go. Where, where's the hair that I see on the covers and the pictures, man? Like, where's oh, your hair? hair? My hat. Yeah. Tie it back, man. I just woke up. I work until like four in the morning. Oh, wow. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. You know, it's, uh, 
um, a life changer for you. We, we spoke about this before, um, touring for 10 years prior to this. It's quite the halt for you, right? It's just weird. It's weird to be in one place for more than three months. It's weird to be doing anything that's not completely focused around monster truck. So it's a huge transition. And also, you know, the whole not making any fucking money at all. That's a huge thing too. But um, the, the, the transition to like being a, I guess a, a band post or mid pandemic is, is just you chill and you wait and you keep creating because you love it. I mean, I think a lot of times before all this COVID stuff, um, it's easy to get caught up in creating just to make money and creating a product to sell. And I think that's the wrong way to look at everything. I think that during COVID, I think a lot of bands are going to start to realize that like maybe people like them because they sound like them or maybe they don't have to change or maybe they don't have to do anything else. Maybe what they're doing is good and they should just explore what makes them feel the best about themselves. And I think uh, that's kind of the whole thing. And for me personally, the transition was huge because I was like trying so fucking hard, man, and just keep this stupid thing going. Like it sounds ridiculous and I don't want to say stupid thing. That's pretty dismissive, but... When you think about it, it's just a rock band. And you're working, you're, you're obsessed with that shit. Like every day, you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen? What's, what are we going to do? And actually having this COVID breaks wicked. Because now I'm just like, what do we do? So you can focus on actually making yourself think straight rather than being anxious all the time or stressed out and things like that. So it's kind of a weird vibe. I think that, that um, I think it's easy to lose your way when the wheels are turning. And I think when the wheels finally stop, is the time to sit back and be like, okay, well, what do I want, you know? Yeah, and it helped you find yourself too, right? Like, just kind of, okay. I think it's more about, it helped me slow down to let myself, like, exist again. You know what I mean? When you're just keeping going, you're touring eight months a year, like, fuck, man, good luck. You're just trying to get through, you know? (laughs) Like, every day is a different city. You're just like, you know, there's no grounding there. There's no home. There's just travel it's like it's it's kind of crazy it's like you never feel at home in your own house it's like you get home and you're just visiting for a bit and then you're back out into like the world which is your new you know vagrant home so it's kind of it's a weird weird transition it's been it's been an odd thing and i don't think i found myself but i feel like um i feel like if you haven't sat back and reflected in this period then you really need to take an opportunity yeah absolutely i mean it's a time where um, obviously we're not, we're not able to do as much as we want. Um, and I really hate wearing a mask. Like I, I just don't like it and I, I will do anything not to go out. Uh, even though sometimes I need to get out. Right. And that's one of the, yeah. pur- one of the, perp- that one of the big purposes I started this show is cause I just need to talk to somebody, man, like from December to like February, it's like, you know, you're, you're yeah, we have. Uh, a, a lot of people in the same house. We're all family, but you know, I got to talk to somebody else. It's so hard, right? Yeah. Um, and and it's really separated people and 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 uh, divided people. And a lot of crazy things have happened over the last year. And to find yourself and become more grounded and humble with yourself, um, it's a great opp- opportunity for people to just say, "Hey, let's take it easy. This is what mm-hmm. I want. This is what I want to accomplish." Right? Um, you know, it's it's been pretty. Yeah, podcast therapy. Somebody says to me on the on the comment. That's right, um, and it, it can really be humbling for people, right? Especially like someone like you. Like you've been on the road. Uh, I don't know how rushed you were. Like you know, I got to get from this date 
um, this city to that city, and it's all you love it, but it's all almost like a rush all the time, right? Well, it's constantly moving. It's not. It's it's not as frantic as people would think. But when you take something, if you never rest, everything is frantic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of where we were at, and and we had to. We have to do that. Like, if we want to sustain ourselves as a band, we have to tour. Like, it's got to be that way. There's no other way in this day and age when there's no royalties from records. People aren't even buying them. So streaming services aren't paying you anything. Like, touring is it for bands at our level and bands like us, like rock bands, man. Like, how many rock bands? You know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a different world. If we I were mean, country artists and just played on weekends, it probably we'd probably be better off. Yeah, I mean, you guys aren't multi-millionaires or anything. You guys are just... Man, uh, we're just getting by. We're a bunch of Hamilton guys that caught a cool break, got to do a lot of really amazing things. And, you know, uh, life offers totally different things to everyone. It's, it, it depends on which ones you take and how much you value uh, wealth. And I yeah. think that uh, a lot of decisions you make in life hinge on whether you're going to have an experience or it's going to benefit you financially. And I think that focusing on the financial benefits is the wrong way to live. I agree. So I, you know, we did a lot of things and we prepared a lot of things and we had a, we were supposed to have a crazy fucking year, man. We got a new record done and everything else, you know, we were building up to this and then here we are, but like, that's fine. That's, that's the way things are. And if you can't adapt to change, you don't really, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to make it. Yeah. And, and like, I remember, I we used to do security, right? And you guys played a Koi Festival in Kit Downtown Kitchener. I remember and, that. Uh, I I honestly, I'll be honest, I had no clue who you guys were. Um, when this was years ago, and you guys played at this really small place called the Hive, and it people were like, people were packing in there and 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 trying to fight me outside because I I wouldn't let them in because we were at capacity, and um, so I went home that night and I trying to figure out who you guys were and that's when i got turned on to you um and i just want to know like how how did that happen like so you guys you guys started what was the how many years were you guys together before things actually like completely t- took off a year wow. a year until we started like being like okay well this was a good idea um like quitting our fucking jobs is a good idea but uh yeah we were together for about a year and then everyone got rid of their employment and we just threw jumped in with both feet and here we are so it was kind of like i don't know because it was working so good you know everyone else was like oh it happened so fast but i'm like no it fucking didn't but uh everyone everyone that uh every it was just working so well man we played like two shows and then all of a sudden we have a manager and then we play like two more shows and they're like well this song you know, we're not going to put you on our label. And then it's like, uh, play two more shows. Oh, you're on the label. And then two more shows. Oh, we're going to put this song to radio. And then three more shows. And, or, uh, you know, a couple tours later. Oh, you're, you're up for a Juno Award. And then, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just how it goes. And it just keeps snowballing until you reach a certain point. I think for us, it was true rockers for sure. But, uh, and, and then it just kind of like, uh, you know, you, you you're... <laughs> the fun of it all and the, the 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 joy of the downhill ride becomes uh a snowball into trying to maintain it yeah you know yeah. what i mean if you're not used to people ever saying anything bad when someone does it's like fuck or when you know what i mean or when uh when you're used to getting everything handed to you and then someone else gets what you usually get it's crazy. It's it, and and then your brain does these crazy things. We're like, oh, fuck, what am I gonna do? I'm losing everything. And then you have to, you know, 
uh, deal with that kind of shit going through your head for who God knows how long. It's kind of weird. It's like, this is why the Cornell, when we were talking about Chris Cornell before, this is why I think people like him and Bennington and guys like that, there's just so much pressure, especially at that level. They have a staff. They have hundreds of people that work below them. You know, that's a lot of fucking pressure. You want to know why my, my Metallica doesn't stop touring? Because Metallica is a corporation. There's like 300 people that work there. We played, we opened for them at Heavy Montreal. I don't know when it was, 2014 or something. And we played first on, they headlined the main stage. And we played, we were first on. So we got to walk on Metallica stage and my brain almost exploded. But uh, that's the first time I ever heard uh, Fractal 2. And they were going through the guitar tones for each of the airs of Metallica. And that was when they went and programmed them on a side note. But like, it was so crazy. I was having so much fun. But anyways, we get on that, that whole stage and Metallica had like 80 trucks, 80 transport trucks. That's just a hiring part of it. You know, like, think about that, the being, being in charge of 80 trucks. So they have their guys and then they have to outsource everything else. It's a fucking, it's like, you know, a big business. So they can't just stop, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those weird things that you kind of get into. So I, I don't know. It's, 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 for me, it's, I don't know. Life's, life's an odd, odd, odd place. And, and, and you can't just like, how do you recover from loss on that? You don't. You try to write something better than you did before. That's all you do. That's all you can do. All you can do is search for right, find the best song. Sorry, people are asking questions. Yeah, back back to radio station tours. Yeah, well, I'd like you to come sure. by someday, man. Let's. Uh, I, I mean, you're right. Metallica is such a is is so much bigger than we actually think they are. Right? Oh, They're dude, like all these bands are like that. Like anyone that's like think about Lady Gaga. I actually had a guy. Uh, I receive trucks at the steel mill now, <clears throat> Hamilton, but, uh, I love it. It's the best. I feel so, I'd be like, come home from tour and go to the steel mill. But, um, there's one of the guys that works there does a truck and roll and he was up uh, for a Buble tour and he was on his way down there. And when COVID hit for the Buble international tour, so think about how much money that's for a truck driver, like to lose that income from that tour, like oh, Buble alone, like everything else. Like, they pay these guys like crazy. So he got halfway down. He had to go home. And he said there was 80 truck and roll trucks that had to drive home from Florida. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's crazy. The amount of like, it's just, it's just people, you know, it's just the amount of people, you know, and Bublé probably wouldn't have that many trucks. He probably had a bunch of other stuff going on, but it was a bunch of different tours coming home. You know, it's like everything that happens for these big tours, it's a lot of people that are employed by it. And I think the gig worker community, people don't understand because it sounds like so much fun. But it's super hard, you know, and it's passionate work. How many people do you guys employ on the road? Oh, we only bring like three people, man. We do a lot of our own stuff. Okay. Sometimes so we only bring a couple. We've done like, and when we do like arena tours and stuff, the headlining bands always help us out because they're just good people. And usually we know their texts or we've met them before or we're friends within two minutes. And it's like, you know, we just work together to make the show the best. And I think bringing a lot of crew is adding a lot of costs and a lot of uh, added issue. And if, if I don't mind doing my own base, which I don't at all, it's awesome. Uh, it gives me something to do during the day, but uh, then there's one last guy, you know, I mean, we usually take like a, a one stage guy to do drums and stage and then a tour manager in front of house. Wow. And well, I mean, like you got, you've been tuning and, and fixing your guitar for so many years. You might as well just keep doing it, right? Well, my thing is too, like, 
it's not going to get that fucked up. And if it does, you know, Jerry Cantrell's tech or, you know, Chad Kroger's tech is over here and they're going to have a peek at it. I mean, we get lucky, you know, that's, that's kind of the bonus uh, of the end of it, you know, but yeah, you got to do shit for yourself. And in this day and age of working bands, I mean, I don't even understand how anyone could hire, like, if you're not making, how do you pay a guitar tech? They make tons of money, (laughs) you know, like the ones that are good. It's like, how do you pay that guy? And wouldn't you rather just do it yourself? I mean, I think is what it's come down to. What what do you think about bands buying onto tours, like independent bands buying onto tours? What's the point? Go home and write some songs, save your money, buy something better. That's going to benefit your band. Don't buy onto a tour. There's so many tours. Seriously, do your own tour. Like, there's so many ways to go other than that. I mean, it's been happening since, I don't know what, Ozzy makes someone buy on tours and fucking 70. I don't know. Probably not Ozzy. That's a bad one. Maybe Van Halen. But uh, the uh, Van Halen did. And GNR did too. I mean, we were we were asked to buy on uh, a couple of them. We're just like, no, we're not doing that. But uh, it's, it's just like, to me personally, where's the benefit of that? What are you expecting to get? So if you pay ten, twenty thousand dollars to get onto this arena tour, and nobody's in the building every night when you play, how's that going to make you feel? Yeah, especially if you're the opening band and people just want to come see the last band. Well, none of the support bands buy on. I mean, they're part of the deal, right? Like yeah. the only people that are going to buy on are like one and two slot. And like to me personally, do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Do what you think is best. Always follow your own gut. But for me, fuck that. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I know. I know some guys that they bought onto the Five Finger Death Punch tour back in the day, and oh yeah, great um, tour. Yeah, great tour, but they couldn't sell their merch for any less than what Five Finger Death Punch wanted to a sell. A lot of that has changed in arena things, but I think it all has to do with the way that the bands interact with each other. Because usually we had that problem. Like we were out with, uh, oh god, we've been out with everybody, but it's always the issue. It's like, uh, do we have to price match? No. Okay, cool. Then we can maybe make some money. But usually when you have to price match, and that's the whole thing too. People are like, oh, we'll make it up on merch. Not in an arena, yo. There's seven merch booths. Your shit's in one. Like, it's, it's it to me personally, there's got to be some kind of momentum to want to even do a kind of tour like that. You already got to be trucking along because like, other than that, you have to build your organic fan base. You need to get into the clubs and work because that's how you do it. And that's literally how it's done. I mean, radio what's radio is great don't get me wrong i love it i still listen to it all the time i listen to it at work i listen to the car i love it but what's that going to get you now you know what i mean it's still the same game of of everything else like streaming is way more popular it's the only way to go and it's like it's it's a weird kind of it's a juggling uh game the whole way through it so it's like getting on these big arena tours to me i don't think it benefited as us as much as playing club tours yeah. getting on like playing a club tour and then doing like these festivals in the states like we were doing these uh a bunch of years ago we were doing these rips where we play like four shows and then we do like carolina rebellion and play first on the day you know what i mean and like one of the side stages no big deal and then we play a couple more shows and go rock on the range it's like those are hard festivals to kind of get into but like that's the idea you need to build organic fan base and then have big shows to fill in the rest of it don't try to it's not going to happen overnight it never does and trust me because it hasn't happened for me yet <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing awesome though. I mean, I've seen you guys live with Allison Chains. Um, I know, I know that was pretty cool because um, was it Mike Inez? He actually came out and played bass in a couple of your songs. And uh, I was going, man, uh, 
yeah, either either you have good songs or you don't. That's what our buddy says down in Windsor. And um, you know, it, it's it's something to build relationships or pay for it. You know, there's people out there that they, they there's people on social media now that they're gonna pay for their followers. And yeah, I think that's fine. So I think honesty will always shine through, and I think integrity is uh, really undervalued in our culture today. I think we have, um, I think everyone's on this desire to profit, and we're and even normal people are feeling the pressure to for security, for means, for property, for all these things that these people are putting in your heads that are important. None of that is important. You know what I mean? And I think it makes people make poor decisions. So I think integrity is going to become more of a commodity just based on like i think more emotional kind of things and 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 things like that are going to become something because how many women like they're fine they're giving it away for free all over all over or only fans like come on are you kidding me this is so weird like why are we so willing to market ourselves it's 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 the weirdest thing in the world to me so i think there's going to be a shift where integrity must be it's got to be valuable Am I, am I the only person who didn't start at OnlyFans in, in 2020 or what? Like, yeah, I got buddies who grow weed that have OnlyFans, and it's just for like showing you, oh, look, we grew this today, and we have this, and we're having fun. And people, these guys making tons of bank, tons of bank from people just watching his videos and donating two bucks here and there. What? Dude, I thought, it's I an it was industry. Just man. I thought it was Yo, just we're too school. old. We're fucked. We're too old. I'm telling you, the whole world is different now, and it's all on the internet. There's, there's a teacher. She left her job, and people are criticizing her for it because she's make she's making two hundred thousand dollars a month. Like, that's huge. That's more than you. That's more than me. That's more than like probably some of the biggest rock stars out there, right? Man, it's 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 what what can you do? What can you do if someone's if someone's giving if someone's doing that? If if people are willing to pay for it, why not sell it? I mean, this is the whole the whole mentality of of our culture now is how can I take this idea I have and turn a profit on it? And I think that's the wrong way because then you're left with this oversaturation of shit. That isn't exactly, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe you shouldn't have printed that, that design on a t-shirt. Maybe you shouldn't have done this and done that just to turn a profit. Maybe you should be like, like don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. If you have a store that sells stuff, you have an art site and sell your art, do your thing. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is the motivation behind that cheapens it for me. Like you can tell when someone's like, oh yeah, you know, they're like, ah, oh, they drew that to make a buck. Yeah, and it's like that kind of sucks. Or they wrote that song because you're like, ah, yeah, it sounds like a fucking jingle. And it's like you get it. And I'm not trying to be critical. I just want the value of art, the value of the creative mind, to be important again. And you know what? Yeah, I'm 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 on the same page as you, sir. I mean, it's uh, uh I'm kind of ranting. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we're releasing inner demons as your project. <laughs> And I've really got to say something. It doesn't. It's not really a Friday unless somebody tries to scam me out of cleaning my ducks in my house or <laughs> tell me I have an international arrest warrant out for me. Um, Don't clean it, your ducks. Yeah, I actually I, I pranked I pranked one of the, the dudes. I told him I had 19 bedrooms. They ended up hanging up the phone on me. Uh, <laughs> I'll release that one day. But let's talk about your your newest uh, project, the solo record. Um, Jay Harvey and the Inner Demons, very kind of la- almost laid back. Um, it's a really interesting feel. Like, when did this all start? I don't know. I just feel like writing some songs. And yeah. uh, I was writing them on tour, and I kind of like sat on a few of them. And 
I and I just kept pumping them out when we were off because we're not with the band. I'm just that kind of by myself. And I'm like, well, what can I do? And I wrote one song in the shower. It didn't have any music. It was just a vocal melody. How long were you in the shower for? Like two hours? Uh, I don't know. Six? It was probably over like six or seven showers. But uh, they just kind of do that. You know, sometimes you just have a little thing and you build on it, build on it, and then it's a thing. But uh, yeah, I built, I made one without any instruments. And I'm like, well, let me see if I could just put voices to the instruments. So I did that. And I was like, this is okay. Yeah. So I kind of just sticking with that vibe of like, I like it. I, I'm more of like a somber person anyways. Monster Truck is like, you know, yeah, it's the raging part of it, but I was never that kind of person. I always, it's like kind of like a metal-y, you know, I like that dark shit. So that's kind of what I was, I was, I was feeling towards with the inner demons, just kind of get that, get whatever, without worrying about someone saying, oh, this isn't a single, or without someone going, oh, well, maybe we should change this and change that. I can just do whatever the fuck I want and put it out. And that, that was the whole motivation behind it. And, and to me, you know, it's mostly just about doing something. I, I, I honestly, I checked it out, and I really, honestly, I enjoyed it. It almost kind of relaxed me, just kind of sitting here and chilling out listening to music sometimes you, you check out someone's music and and you don't really know what to expect right yeah um obviously i almost expected you to sing like you do in in monster truck but, um, yeah i uh, that's hard to do all the time i mean who knows if i'm going to be able to be 70 or 60 even and singing the monster truck songs so some of them are pretty high but uh yeah it's just more about um getting comfortable with aging and realizing that it doesn't have to rage all the time. Sometimes the best tones come from not hitting it so hard. Well, I mean, you can still hit those notes. You guys just have to down tune pretty often, right? Ah, uh, don't worry. The new Monster Crackers got higher notes than I've ever hit before. <laughs> I'm like hitting them. I'm like, oh god, I gotta do this live every night. But, but what I like, what I like about Monster Truck, like the the, the groove and 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 the riffs, like for me, like they're easy for me to play. Like they just, I don't know, they're just. They're simple, and and it all goes together. It goes great, right? I mean, I I can't really. I just love listening to it. And then the groove's there. I'm a bass player. I know you're a bass player as well. The groove's there. It's easy to play. It sounds great. It's simple. I mean, like, um, something you can respect, right? It's like it's just straightforward. Like, let's have fun, kind of yeah. thing. Um, can we can we hear a few uh, monster truck uh, choruses or what? Chorus from where? Um. Sweet Mountain River? You want me to sing? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not singing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot, man. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been a, it's an interesting road. The, the, the reason we were so simple is because uh, a lot of my influence was the Misfits. Really? I wanted woes. I was like, what's a band that has a lot of woes? And I'm like, the fucking Misfits have a woe every song. And I'm like, maybe we should do something with woes. Here we are, and then uh, you know it's 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 just uh, simplicity is the purest purest form of everything is simple. How, how did it, how did it like come to you seeing, or how did it all come together? First off, like from the beginning to um, calling it Monster Truck. Well, Jer's like, let's start a band called Monster Truck, and I said okay. And then Steve was across the room, and Jer goes, "Hey, Steve, you want to play drums in Monster Truck?" And he goes, "All right." I go, we need to get an organ player. He goes, I know the guy. And that's how it started. And then the next Monday we were jamming. And then within like a few weeks, we had 
we were doing Monster Truck Monday is what we call it. Every Monday we get together and then we had like eight songs within like two months and then playing shows. Wow. Yeah, it was quick. It was just going for it because it was it was a kind of a weird time. Everyone else's bands, every other guys in the other uh the guys' other bands were all kind of in a lull and I wasn't doing shit. I had a couple metal bands that was I was kind of fucking around with. But like then uh we got in and it started working. And then everyone's like, Well, maybe you guys should do this. <laughs> okay. And then uh yeah, it just it just started going, and it was so easy. And I think that was the point, and that's what made it valuable was how easy it came together and how uh, right everything felt instantly. And I think that's the kind of thing you try to capture again. It's why every everyone's always like, "Oh, the first record's like this." Well, yeah, because it took fucking six years to write. But like you know, it's it, it's that thing where it's like, I don't know, I don't know. The, the, you'll never capture that that glory again. It's it's such a it's such a like a I don't even know how to say it. A wrinkle in time. How'd you decide to sing the way you do? Like, I mean, I mean, like it's. We got in the I'm thing, and everyone's like, "Who's gonna sing?" And initially, it was Jared, Brandon. We're gonna sing a lot, and I was just kind of gonna add things. Our first few songs have Jared and me singing the same amount, and then uh, I started writing tunes and started singing. And they're like, "Maybe you should sing," and I said, "Okay, maybe, maybe." Well. You know, I mean, I hadn't really sung in a band before. I'd done a lot of screaming and things, but I never really, like, actually tried to sing. So, um, there you go. Those, those are the days. You just scream in a band and then get off the stage, just completely soaked. And right, Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I remember those days also. You know what? It's uh, been a pleasure having you out here, man. I, sure, I know sure, we've been sure. trying to make it. this happen uh, many times in the past, and uh, I'm happy to have met you. And um, yeah, Hopefully we can do this again in person. Um, yeah, for sure. Things open up. We're just down the road from each other. So uh, we'll definitely do an awesome uh, John Harvey, JD Harvey, or Monster Truck kind of thing. Sure. Uh, I'll meet me for coffee. Maybe even have you guys play as well. Oh, yeah. All right. That sounds good to me. I'd play for any day. <laughs> Sorry for ranting. Uh, I know I get a little carried away sometimes, but oh, I'm fucking passionate. You know? It's absolutely <laughs> great. <laughs> Right we're, we're gonna end this portion of the show and um if you want to have any more questions answered by jd just send them into uh, the meet me for coffee inbox subscribe to us on spotify follow us on or subscribe to us on youtube as well and follow us on youtube uh this will be up as well uh, a brand new uh, youtube channel i, I kind of fixed it again and um thank you so much everyone